go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Back at it again. It's the football playbook with your boy RIC in a place to be checking in from the Jersey Shore here, broadcasting around the universe. Two hours of power on deck. Uh, we've been getting you ready for the Washington Commanders Week here all week long, and we will continue to do so uh, with some really great guests lined up for you today. So buckle up. It's a double chin strap affair. We're going to have our guy John Kime joining us from ESPN.com at the top of the show. Uh, get into a little bit of some of Carson Wentz comments from yesterday. Uh, we'll also have Matthew Paris checking in from the Washington Times, giving his finger on the pulse when it comes to the Washington Commanders. And yes, it is Wentz week, so we will talk to our good friend, Coach Flip. John D. Filippo will be here uh, like he is every football Friday. We'll go around the league with him. We'll get his thoughts on Carson Wentz. Of course, they lost to the Lions last week, a team the Eagles defeated. We'll get his uh, take on the Wentz and the Hurts. And uh, also check in on his good friend, Kirk Cousins, whose Monday night football career dropped to two and 10. What is it about primetime? Well, hey, Coach Flip has been in the foxhole with Kirk Cousins. We'll kind of pick his brain there, uh, see what other quarterbacks stood out to him around the league. So we'll get underway. Of course, later on in the show, we'll have my uh, NFL pickums nine and seven last week for the second straight week, uh, putting us at, Oh, and one last night. We thought the Steelers uh, were, were going to win. Uh, the Browns come back in the second half, take care of business there. So now 18 and 16 against the spread on the pick'em. One and one on the best bets. We'll go around the league with that at the end of the show. And uh, Tone, let us know when we do have John Kime, because I know he's on a tight schedule and we only have him for a limited time. So I don't want to waste any time with him. But I did want to get to the comments from Carson Wentz that came out yesterday and basically said, you know, I could have been a better person and teammate while I was in Philadelphia. So, you know, maybe uh, Carson is trying to soften the boo birds up when they travel down to the D.C. area. He's kind of flew pretty much under the radar for most of the week with his comments. I think both Wentz. And Hertz have done a good job of taking the high road there. Um, I want to pull up his quote because I thought it was interesting. There are always things I look back on and think, man, I could have been better here. I could have been a better person as a teammate. There's lots of things you take for granted. And so I think I definitely thank God for the experience that I had. Though sometimes they're dark or sometimes they're not how I envisioned them to be. But that's what's allowed me to grow as a person. And I'm thankful for that. A division victory could change the tra trajectory of either team, so on and so forth. One said he's excited, but you try not to make the game bigger than what it needs to be. So, you know, again, if, if you don't think this means something to Carson Wentz, 
then you're mistaken. And if you don't think this means something to Jalen Hurts, then you're mistaken because I think this is a show me game for Jalen Hurts. Uh, people are still questioning wh- who is the real Jalen Hurts. Well, here's the guy that you took his job from. He'll come into town this week. And hey, if Hurts takes care of business, it's like an award tour, uh, you know, leading up to the offseason. Each week he's checking off the boxes, showing that, hey, we can get it done. If it's a high-scoring, high-flying affair, which I think this Sunday can be, he can air it out. He showed that last week. If he needs to tuck and run and and beat you with his legs, hey, we saw that against the Lions. So Hurts can beat you in in an array of ways, as can Carson Wentz when he's needed. And Wentz has put up some numbers. Now, there's been some turnovers, but the commanders have been uh, one of the top offenses in the league in terms of yardage. I know they have a very uh, highly effective third down percentage. So to me, and I'll save my prediction for the end of the show, I think it's going to be a lot of points on the board. Let's pick the brain of the one John Kime, who does a great job already, ESPN.com, joining us right now here on the Football Playbook, making his Football Playbook debut. John, thank you so much for joining us here. I know you got a lot of things going on here on game week, so uh, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's get into the once week. Uh, Carson saying he could be could have been a better person and teammate there in Philadelphia. It's been a line of questioning for all the Eagles players all week long. Hey, your former teammate, uh, Brandon Graham, I think, said, you know, some of us had this game circled from day one uh, because of the Wentz effect. And so the Eagles are going to be out there. They're going to look to get, I don't know, revenge on Carson Wentz. What's been kind of the gauge of the temperature from the D.C. perspective? Has this been a daily occurrence? Has this been something that's brought up on an everyday basis? Um, not, it's not going to be quite the same as it would be there because you're only talking about one guy who played there. I mean, all those guys played against him, with him, I mean, and he was in that locker room. So when, it's, when we're talking to Carson Wentz, yes, that was brought up quite a bit. And I have talked to other players about it. But, you know, for them, it's like it's another guy going against his former team. That happens all the time in this league. There's not the same level of emotion that would be attached to it for a Terry McLaurin as opposed to a Fletcher Cox or, you know what I mean, like, or Dallas Goddard, somebody who was with him in that locker room. Now, I will say I did talk to some who who their feeling was like, they want to win some of them, not, not, I don't think, I don't know how many, cause they, listen, they came off an ugly loss. They want to win because they need to win. Not because like, Oh, it's Carson Wentz against the Eagles. You got to win this game. They got to win this game. Cause it's at home. It's against a division opponent and they looked bad last week. But having said that he does have some tight friends in that locker room who have said they would like as much as he says, it's just another game. They would love to win it for him. And I, to be honest, I would also say, Rick, I think a bigger thing would probably be Indianapolis at this point because the way Ursay went after him so much, the Eagles haven't done that. They traded him. It didn't work in the end. The Eagles have handled it pretty well. So, you know what I mean? Like, and they have a good quarterback there. They're doing well. They clearly moved on to a, a good situation, whereas Indianapolis, Ursay ripped them time and again in the offseason, and it kind of got to the point where you're like, what's going on? The Eagles haven't done that. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because I want to get your take on this one, John. From a national perspective, 
the 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 feeling is almost like, hey, Wentz is on his third team in three years. Like this is his last shot to prove that he's a starter in the league. But then you kind of read the press clippings down there in D.C. and, you know, they feel like they've got their best quarterback maybe in the last three or four years. Now they've put there's been some turnovers, but the points are on the board. What has been the early impressions down there in Washington? Are they happy with the Carson Wentz performance? Oh, definitely, definitely, okay. definitely. Keep in mind, I mean, first of all, he had like the one bad year in Philly coincided with Jalen Hurts coming to town. They had given him a contract extension before that. So it wasn't like there was this, this long history of bad play for him there. It was a bad year in 2020. You get Jalen Hurts, you have an alternative issues. You know, you were going to know more than me about like issues in the locker room, all that stuff, whatever it was going on. But the point is, it wasn't like it was five bad years with him as a starting quarterback. So you look at that. So he's not a, like this. There's a narrative that he's like this horrible, horrible quarterback. He's not. And combine that, Rick, with look what like I can tell you the quarterbacks I've covered the last four years. He's definitely the best one. I mean, it's not we're not talking, you know, when he was in Indy, he came after Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Philip Rivers. Here he's coming after, it was Taylor Heineke, it's Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, who did not, you know, and so, and Alex Smith, who was playing on one leg. <clears throat> so there's not a, there's not a high bar here. And, you know, in Philly, you did have, they won a Super Bowl. Vic, they had a, that gave me, he had a great year, but they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So the situations are different and the expectations are different. So he has been good. He's made the interceptions were one was a late throw. You know, one was a hell of a play by Trayvon Walker for Jacksonville last week. The throw was high. And you, I'm sure you know this, like when he misses, he misses high a lot. And, and that's, that's been a consistent thing since he's been here. Missed high on one down the middle, right decision, too high of a throw. It's picked. So those will happen, but they've, they have firepower, much like Jalen Hurts has firepower around him. Wentz has it around him. And that's what makes them dangerous. It's not just Carson Wentz. It's Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Those guys make him dangerous. And, you know, and so in Indianapolis, he didn't have that. Jalen Hurts has that. I mean, that's a dangerous offense that, that Washington's facing. No, for sure. And, you know, I think, too, like Wentz had a good season last year with the Colts. It was just such a devastating loss in the playoffs. And I think that's kind of where, you know, the big shift it was deeper team. than that, too. It went deeper than that. And there were, I think the vaccine stuff. And listen, I don't know all the issues there. It didn't work out there. I know like people say, oh, it's 27 and seven. The numbers, it's beyond the numbers. OK, that's fine. All I know is here they have been very happy. And I will say the Colts struggling offensively and but they did not have a great receiving core and he's got a better core here so it's more conducive to him having looking better here and again you know again I look at I look at Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts looks better this year and AJ Brown is there you know what I mean and and some of that's Jalen Hurts's own development the guy's been really good and fun to watch but a lot of it too is who are you surrounding them with and and that's what has helped that's one of the things that has helped once here. Now, we're only talking two games. We'll play it out. See how it is over 17. I don't know. And, you know, I know the Wentz experience. It's the roller coaster ride. And Ron Rivera was asked about that. 
I think it was after the opener. How are you going to deal with the ups and downs? Because even in the opener against Jacksonville, I had some really good numbers, but there were lulls. How are you going to deal with that? He goes, I'm going to take a lot of antacids. So I think anybody in Philly listening to this, you understand that. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. Through two games, he's been good. Yeah, some good sprinkled in with some bad. Uh, let me ask you about this, though, because his good friend Chase Ruliar, uh, the center there, he's placed on the IR, probably lost for the season from my understanding. But I also heard that Chase is kind of the guy that's eased this transition and, and was responsible for a lot of the pre-snap adjustments and reads and helping Carson out that way. What does that look like this Sunday with a different center? Who's going to be responsible for that? How does that kind of impact the offensive uh, philosophy? Well, the center is always going to be responsible for that. And, you know, in some offenses going to have the quarterback will have more responsibility than others. Here it's mostly on the center. Wes Schweitzer will take over at center. The one there's Chase Rui is a smart player and that's a loss because it, it you know, he's, he was a, he was a solid center. And it, it just now you're testing your line depth early in the year. But Wes Schweitzer will go over there. Schweitzer is, does not have a ton of experience at center. He played it two games last year. Looked good in both games, but still, it's only two games. And the one benefit to – well, Chase Rouillet missed a lot of the training camp because he was recovering from a, a leg injury last year. The benefit from that now is that during that period – Wentz worked with Wes Schweitzer, who will now start at center. But again, he's not an experienced center, so we'll see. I think he's a, he's a good run blocker. He looked pretty good at last year, but we'll see. You know, as you know, the more you get on film, the more teams are going to now they're going to know how to play you. But um, you know, that's who will go in there. He knows that he knows the system, he knows the line call, so that's a help to them. We'll see how well he does, but but that's you know, so they do have someone backing him up. Last year. They were down to like their fifth center. It was ridiculous. Um, but this year, Schweitzer is their, the first one to go in, and he's, he did a nice job in there last year. And, and so there's some experience there or experience working together. John Carm, ESPN.com, does a great job over there covering the Washington Commanders. And, John, I know you wrote an article recently about the defensive injuries. It seems like the Commanders have injuries all over the place, but especially on that defensive yeah. line. And I know uh, Jonathan Allen played with, with the groin injury. I think you said 52 snaps in your article there. Uh, because of all the injuries, he was dependent upon to play a lot of snaps. But, man, talk about some bad luck at the defensive end position. I saw the injury report. Casey Tulho's out. Daniel Weiss is out. Jonathan Smith-Williams was limited. Shaka Tony had an illness. I mean, where are they going to find some bodies to it's, get put out? There? It's going to be a challenge. And as you know, like when you're facing Jalen Hurts, you need – a full complement of your defensive line. And so I don't like Daniel Wise. I would not expect him to play. He's got a high ankle sprain. It's not severe, but I would be surprised. He's not going to play. Um, Casey two is the one I don't know about. He's he, he's in the concussion protocol. He would be, he's a, in the Eagle, you know, he started off with the Eagles. Um, he's done a nice job as a backup end. But what he gives them and what you need against Jalen Hurts, obviously, is an end that can react quickly, has a little bit of quick twitch, right? Tuhill has that. For a backup end, he has that. And so, like, losing him can hurt against some of those zone read and the art, you know, with, with, with Jalen Hurts. So that's, you know, but I don't know if he'll play or not. He's got the concussion. James Smith Williams said he'll play. Um, John Allen has been a full participant this week, so he'll play. Um, but they are being tested with their depth along the tackles. 
and that can be an issue this week and for the rest of the season. They picked up a guy from Dallas, Jonathan Ridgeway, but I mean, he was he's a rookie. I mean, you know, yeah. so he hasn't played, so don't know what he is, but their their depth is being tested, and that could be an issue as the season develops. Yeah, and Ridgeway was actually awarded to the commander. The Eagles also had a claim in for Ridgeway, and he was um, awarded to the commander. Now, they are getting some reinforcements in the secondary. Yeah. Cam Curl, the safety, coming back. Uh, you know, I look at, you know, the, the secondary versus this Eagles triple threat of, you know, you got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. Uh, how do you kind of see the the Washington secondary matching up against this Eagles uh, trio of receiving targets? It will be a challenge because they give up big plays. And sometimes it's because last week against the Lions, you'd have 10 guys doing the job, one guy not, and it's a big play. You know, against the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence missed a couple big plays, whether some one time it was because his pad got hit as he threw one time it's just he missed it, you know, and so they are susceptible to that. So you're facing now a an explosive receiving core, knowing that, and then you have a quarterback who's on fire. So, you know, I think it's going to be a major challenge. Getting Cam Curl back is a big deal because they, they've been using Derek Forrest, who is he's a second year guy, but he was hurt a lot of last year. So in essence, he's still kind of a, got that a little bit of a rookie in terms of like his experience. But it allows Curl to go back in there. He does a nice job against Goddard. Goddard will get him because Goddard's really good. But Curl does a nice job in the box. It allows him to play more of the three safety looks with an effective safety in the box. And I think, again, and it allows you too, Rick, to, to disguise more coverages. And I think when you have, like last year, I'm watching the game, and there are times Curl look, looks like a cover two. You're coming up last second, filling a gap. So there are things they can do with him. But it's going to be a challenge for them because that's a it's the corners have not been great in coverage and they give up big plays. So it, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it could be a lot of fireworks this Sunday. I think so. And, you know, I've been impressed with Cam Curl, what he's done early on in his career there. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I know you're on a tight schedule, John. We appreciate the time. Last one for you. It's a two parter. The Boo Birds travel well. What percentage of the crowd do you think will be Philadelphia-based? And if you can, if you're allowed to give us a uh, score prediction here. I haven't thought much about a score prediction. I mean, it's – listen, I mean, I'd be – you have to pick the Eagles. They're the hot team, and this team is coming off a game where they looked – the defense gave up too many big plays, and um, they just didn't look good against a team that you guys just saw. So – you got to pick the Eagles. I would, off the top of my head, I don't know, 31 24, something like that. I do think this team can score. And I don't think it's good. I don't think it would be a major, it'd be an upset if Washington wins. It wouldn't be a shocker. I mean, this team did play them well twice last year with a depleted roster. The Eagles are better. Jalen Hurts is playing better. I know all that. But the point is, like, as you know, in this robbery over the years, it's sometimes a very unpredictable one, you know, or it's, doesn't go quite the way you thought it would. And I do think this team is resilient. So I could see them playing much better than last week. And to me, a big key is, can you get ahead? If you don't get ahead with Jalen Hurts, I think the, the Eagles and that scheme, they'll just run you to death. And it's a varied run game and it's fun to watch. Like I really enjoy watching their offense and the way they create lanes and, and uh, for, for Hurts to throw and just the way they create gaps 
for the running backs, just off the action. It's fun to watch. So it makes it very difficult then to play from behind against them. So, but having said all that, as far as the split of the crowd, I was talking to one person in the organization and before the Lions game, they felt like if they could beat the Lions, they felt like they could get to like a 65-35 split with, with Washington fans. They did not beat the Lions. So I, it wouldn't shock me if it's more of like a 60-40 split. I don't think, I don't know that we'll get to 50-50. That's, that's a lot. Cause like they, they, they did a better job selling season tickets this off season. So I think it's, it boosts their crowd a little bit, but I mean, you know, the Eagle fans are going to travel well and there's somebody already running 20 buses to bring fans down there. And you know that those aren't the only ones because they didn't do that before and they get thousands of people there. There will be a lot. I talked to someone that said it's going to look like Christmas, a lot of red. Oh, it's Tim McManus, a lot of red, a lot of green in the stands. It's going to look like Christmas. So I do expect that. And it's always been like that. I mean, you go back when the Eagles are good, especially that, that, those, as you know, those fans travel well. It's, it's, it's an easy trip down 95. Yeah, and listen, I don't have to tell you, the NFC East is always a wild card each and every yeah, season, and it's yeah, hard to predict. Absolutely. It's going to look like Christmas. It might feel like the 4th of July with all the fireworks and the, and the points <laughs> on the board. So uh, we appreciate the time, John. Thank you so much, and uh, safe travels over to the game this weekend. Thanks, Rick. Enjoy. All right, there you have it. John Kime, ESPN.com does a great job over there. A lot of great content. Uh, has you covered when it comes to the Washington Commanders. He t- he spoke about the defense and the injuries. If you want more in-depth information there, and you know the defensive line is all banged up for the Washington Commanders. On the other side of the ball, uh, Chase Rouliar is out. It's like the third week in a row where the Eagles have a shaky center position. Can the trenches be the difference maker on top of the? offensive fireworks we'll continue to get into that discussion more and more as the show wears on great job out of john we always appreciate the time coming up next will be matthew paris checking in from the washington times as we continue to get you primed for the commanders and eagles this sunday going down 1 p.m eastern time we'll take a quick break we'll come back after this it's tfb with ric Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. at it again it's the football playbook with rick saratella here on this friday september 23rd 2022 it's our 19th episode thank you for joining in strapping it up buckling it up we'll have our good friend uh, coach john de filippo later on in the show go around the league with him he joins us each and every football friday and coming up in a little while our good friend matthew paris over at the washington times uh will continue to pick his brain on this commander's matchup for the philadelphia eagles coming up here on Sunday, and I thought that was an interesting parting shot from our good friend John Kime over at ESPN.com saying that, man, the stadium, it could get up close to 40% with the Boo Birds. And he mentioned there, there's people out there with 20 buses uh, heading down at a time. That's probably our good friend Gail Saunders at 4th and John. I should have popped him on this week. Maybe we can get him back next week and talk about the Philadelphia uh, tailgate experience down there at D.C., but, man, um, it could feel like somewhat of a home crowd for Philadelphia. So how about that? Uh, we'll, we'll ask Matthew more about that in just a few minutes. Tone, tone behind the scenes will let me know when we have Paris. Uh, quickly here, I'll touch base on the Thursday night football affair last night. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers were up at halftime. I think the combination of Chubb, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, too much in the second half. The Browns come back, pull out the victory. couple takeaways here. One, Mitchell Trubisky, 20 for 32, 207 passing yards. More critical. I just saw Brian Baldinger, uh, good friend Baldy, breaking it down uh, on Twitter. The Steelers were one for nine on third down. Again, another poor performance from Mitchell Trubisky. You have to wonder, the Steelers... When, it, when are they going to make the move to Kenny Pickett? How many losses is it going to take? Because I know what Mitchell Trubisky is. I've seen this man. I've seen this movie before, right? You can always go back to, to Trubisky. To me, there's nothing but upside in Pickett. Throw him in there. If he's not ready, go back to Mitchell. He's used to that role. He's been a backup. He's been holding clipboard for the last year or two in Buffalo. He's used to 
you know, the quarterback controversy throughout his career. So I, I would I would think very hard even as soon as this week, if I'm Mike Tomlin, of putting Kenny Pickett in. And, and, and we've said it during this week, like Jalen Hurts is younger than Kenny Pickett. Pickett's 25. He can't even see the field. Jalen Hurts is 24 going into his third year. You tell me who has the better future at quarterback. Speaking of quarterback, how about Jacoby Brissett? And it's never, it's never gaudy. It's never fancy. It's never uh, luxurious or glamorous. This guy's been playing well. Don't look now. Everybody had the Cleveland Browns down and out, buried because Deshaun Watson is suspended 11 games. Don't look now. Your uh, Cleveland Elfs or your Brownies are, are two and one. They're two and one now. They've got to survive another eight games without Deshaun Watson. Even if they go four and four, if they play 500 ball and, and they're six and five, when Watson comes back, granted, he has it'll be about two years <laughs> since he's taken an NFL snap. But let's not forget, folks, this was a top five quarterback in the National Football League. You throw him in the saddle on a six and five team down the stretch. Cleveland Browns have a good roster. We talk about the Philadelphia Eagles running attack. I don't know if there's a better one-two punch in the league than Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt right now. So just something to keep an eye on there in the AFC. Don't count out the Brownies. Uh, they're two and one. The Steelers, I think they have to really take a good hard look in the mirror. They're at a crossroads. You really want to run the table with Mitchell Trubisky? Because so far, eh, not so good. And I liked what I saw from Kenny Pickett in the preseason. I really did. I thought he lit it up. Again, you can only maximize the opportunities you're given. I don't care if it was second string, third string, whatever the case may be. Kenny Pickett was effective in the preseason, not only as a passer. He was surprisingly good running the ball and picking up first downs and moving the chains with his feet. So I expect Kenny Pickett to be in there sooner rather than later. All right. All right. See the place to be Rick Saratella telling it like it is uh, your home for real Eagles talk here on the Jacob sports channel. It's all brought to you by ocean casino resorts. We're going to have Matthew Paris in just a second, checking in from the Washington times coach John D Filippo in the second hour of power. And it's Wentz week. Um, it's also Daniel Snyder week because there's a lot of pressure on him. And I kind of, you know, I didn't, have, John Kime was limited. So we didn't get into the whole uh, ownership and stadium situation down there at FedEx field. So we, maybe we can get into that with our next guest, Matthew Paris, who joins us with the Washington times in the, wait, are you in route to practice, Matt? Good morning. I, was, uh, I just, I just got here. So I was doing this from my car. So. Well, we appreciate the time. I, I I love the multitasking that you're getting in. And uh, let's start off with Daniel Snyder, because I think you had an article uh, not too long ago with the recent news, Robert Sarver being uh, forced to sell his teams. A lot of, team, a lot of people out there uh, in the media and the fan base calling for Daniel Snyder to sell the Washington Commanders. Any, any hope here? Uh, I wouldn't bank on it too much. I mean, you know, Washington kind of had not nearly the same intense 
campaign for Snyder to sell? I mean, you didn't see Patrick Mahomes speaking out that Snyder should sell a team like LeBron James did in the NBA. They did have some sponsors not renew their deals with the team. The, those sponsors didn't say it was explicitly because of Snyder, but, you know, they lost Budweiser, for instance, or like, you know, Anheuser-Busch. So if that didn't move the needle, I mean, the owner, the minority owner Snyder had tried to, um, it tried to like move on from him, but they didn't. So they sold their uh, shares in the team to Snyder. So he's actually gained more control in this process of the actual team in terms of equity. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty different than the Sarver situation. Yeah, interesting uh, story to just keep tabs on there. I know you're doing a great job covering that one. Also, the FedEx field, I saw they just reduced the seating capacity. Is that anything to do? I know they're undergoing a lot of um, – they're trying to do some upgrades and construction, and we saw it against the Eagles last year with the, the Eagles fans, the railing busted. Jalen Hurts picked up the fans. He's taking yeah. pictures. Of, uh, and I also saw there's a lawsuit now with those same fans – What's going on with the FedEx field? Uh, I know the Boo Birds are going to travel well once again. Are, are the stadium seating, are they going to be secure? What's going on with FedEx field over there? Yeah, so they've reduced capacity again. This is a thing that kind of happens annually here. Last year, they reduced it to around 67,000. This year, they scaled it back even further to 62 to 63. Kind of a weird thing. They didn't tell me the final number. They just said they were still figuring it out. Hmm. But... Um, you know, this was a stadium that started around 80,000. They actually added more seats when Snyder bought the team in 99. They scaled it up to like 91,000 at one point. But honestly, just the interest hasn't been there locally. So they've scaled it back and scaled it back. And you do see the reflection of kind of, you know, this fan base not being as interested because you have so many Eagles fans on Sundays. And like that's it. There's an opportunity there for Eagles fans to buy all those tickets and they do, and they travel well. Yeah, and it's interesting because we just had John Kime on, and he said it could be close to 40% maybe with, with Eagles fans in attendance. If you had to put a, a, a guesstimation on it based on what you saw last year, based on what you're hearing uh, this weekend, what, what kind of percentage will we see in the crowd in terms of commanders and Eagles fans, do you think? Yeah, I mean, 40% sounds right, even maybe 50 or six, like, it's there have been a lot of Eagles fans in the past. I mean, not so much last year, but I think it was like two years ago where the Eagles had the division title on the line. Um, and the like Washington was way out of it. That was like 70% Eagles. That was like an insane crowd. Um, felt like you were at Lincoln Financial Field. I do think there was some buzz created over um, the week when. Week one win over Jacksonville, that got the fan base excited here. Now, they're coming off a little bit of a lull against the Lions, so maybe, like, there's not as much of intensity there. But, you know, I, I do think it'll be pretty, at least even, maybe 40%. It The Eagles fans travel well. That's big. That's big because it, it could somewhat feel like a home game, especially if the Eagles go up early. If they win that coin toss and take the ball first and go up early – that could almost feel like a home game for yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And so, you know, I know um, we've talked about, you know, I just talked about the Steelers' third down off offense was terrible last night, one for nine. The Commanders, I believe, are actually the most effective or one of the most effective teams 
on third down. And and Carson Wentz has had a couple of turnovers early on, maybe not entirely his fault, but it helps when you have some weapons, something he didn't have in Indianapolis. And I think this commander's receiving corpse, and I'll throw Logan uh, Thomas into the equation as well. I think it's vastly underrated because Terry McLaren, scary Terry, if he was in a major media market, he might be getting a lot more hype. Curtis Samuel is a guy, and I'd love to hear your opinion in terms of whether or not Samuel could see backfield snaps because I know Brian Robinson isn't back yet. Gibson hasn't been a world beater. Could Samuel do some double dip action? But when you talk about um, McLaren, Samuel, Jahan Dotson, who's been the most impressive rookie through the first two weeks of the NFL, and then, oh, by the way, Logan Thomas, this is a team, this could be a high-scoring uh, full-court press type of affair. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, locally, they haven't had a, a receive, like a receiving threat like this since uh, the 2016 team with Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, mm. uh, Jordan Reed. Like it, it's that good of a group, and Wentz, to his credit, has gotten a lot out of it. I mean, he's looked really good through the first two weeks. There's been some up-and-down nature like Wentz is historically as a quarterback but you know he's done well with the weapons around him and to answer your question about Curtis Samuel yeah I mean they've used him in the backfield a little bit already you saw that um he received carries week one against the Jags last week he didn't receive any carries but they still used him in the backfield as a threat and ran routes out of there so they like to use him as a versatile weapon and it's a big difference because he only played in five games last year was extremely limited with a groin injury that really never healed or, or set right. But now he's fully healthy and uh, looks good and looks like he's a difference maker for them. Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel could be an X factor this weekend. And I, I go back to his time at Ohio State where he was doing a lot of stuff in the backfield. And then even I think when he was at Carolina, Christian McCaffrey went down and he kind of filled the void there where need be. So uh, something we'll be keeping an eye on. I'm curious to know that like Jahan Dotson, I don't know – how many receivers, at least three, maybe four wide receivers came off the board before Jahan Dotson, but he's he's playing as good as any of them. Talk about the dynamics that he brings to that slot position. Yeah, he um, he's, like, really good. The, 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 like, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but uh, the ball control for him to have, like, his hands are really great, really precise route runner, especially in the end zone. I mean, all three of his touchdowns have come in that, short area has been able to just kind of you know he doesn't get the best separation in the world but he is able to get just enough of a window with that precise route running um that once has been able to find him and yeah i mean there were you know washington traded out of the 11th pick and at the time um the saints moved up to grab chris olave and you were kind of wondering as a washington fan a lot of washington fans wondered whether they would regret the pick because, you know, Chris Olave was from Ohio State. They were linked to him in the draft, you know, reuniting with Terry McLaurin. And there's a lot of Ohio State players on Washington's roster. But, you know, Dawson hasn't made them regret it at all. He's been really incredible for them. And, you know, they, they really trust him already. And that's looking like a good trade so far early on. Uh, Dotson's been more than expected. Uh, let's switch it up on the defensive side of the ball. You know, there's been a lot of criticism with the commander's defense, something that's somewhat uncharacteristic of a Ron Rivera slash 
Jack Del Rio uh, defensive-minded group. Has it been scheme? Has it been personnel? Is it just because the injuries have been too much to overcome through the first two weeks? What has been kind of the situation there with the lackluster defense? Yeah, I mean, if you were to listen to coaches, that would be personnel. If you were to listen to the fan base, it'd be coaches. You know, no one can seem to necessarily agree on what's exactly causing these issues. But this was a group last year that really struggled, especially to start the season. Ron Rivera teams kind of always start slow, but they were a defense that when they went into last season, they were thought of as a top five group that maybe this could be the best defense in the NFL. They vastly underperformed, but they made an interesting decision. They decided to roll it back with largely the same group. They didn't really make any that major changes. You know, they let Landon Collins go. They kept the rest of the starting secondary the same, and they were banking on that continuity because there was a stretch there last season from like week seven to maybe 14, somewhere in there, that they were a top 10 defense again. They like in that gap, they were playing a lot better. So they were thinking, you know, with more reps, with more time, these guys would be able to figure it out and start off on a solid footing once the season started. But you know, it just hasn't really been there. They gave up 425 yards to the Lions. Now the Lions have a really good offense, but Washington, the, the problem for this commander's group is specifically they give up a lot of explosive plays. You know, the Lions had six plays of 20 yards or more um, in week two. The Jags had, I think, five through two games, you know, 11 plays. That's just way too many. Uh, it's the most in the NFL, actually. So, you know, it, it's a problem that they have to get addressed. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see the Eagles test them early. We saw it last week with Quez Watkins, the big play early on. Um, talking to Matthew Paris, of course, from the Washington Times, who does a great job here on the football playbook. I, I, you know, the defensive line we mentioned is all banged up. Uh, Casey Toolhill is out. Daniel Weiss is probably out. James Smith-Williams was limited. Shaka Tony had an illness. But you mentioned there was a lot of expectations on this defense, and I think a lot of it, had to do with Chase Young before the injury. Like this guy was one of the most exciting players that I covered coming out for the NFL draft. You know, Miles Garrett was a big one. Chase Young was right there in that upper echelon. What is the status of the Chase Young? Will we see him this year? Yeah, we'll see him at some point. It's just a matter of kind of when, you know, he's on PUP right now. So he can't, he's not eligible to return until at least week five. That still feels a little early. Um, you know, we don't necessarily know how his most recent rehab is going. But, um, you know, if, if he doesn't play week five, then they have a short week uh, on week six for Thursday night football. So you don't think he would play then either. So, you know, maybe week seven at home against the Packers at near the end of October or the following weekend when they travel to Indianapolis. Somewhere in that range, I think, is probably more realistic. But they do have high expectations for him when he comes back, um, even though he's coming off this serious injury. They still expect him to be the type of player that he was in 2020 because last year, before the injury, he wasn't having a good season at all. He only finished with a one-and-a-half one sacks. Rivera's talked about how he feels like Young got away from the type of pass rusher that made him successful in college and in his rookie season. He tried to incorporate more like stutter steps and use more handwork last year where I think they feel like his strengths are just power rushing, using his speed, driving guys back. 
um, and Young kind of got away from that last year. Yeah, he, he's pretty impressive. When you talk about converting speed to power, Chase Young is, is maybe as good as it gets. Um, let me ask you about Brian Robinson because he's another guy on the PUP. We've talked about the unfortunate uh, situation that occurred with, with the drive-by shooting. He got uh, shot at point-blank range, but it's been remarkable to just watch from a distance his rehab and recovery. I've seen a couple clips floating around online and, Man, he looks like he he could possibly be eligible to return when uh, his PUP expires. Uh, what what is the situation there with the Brian Robinson? No, it's been even remarkable um, watching it up close in person. You know, he was in the locker room yesterday, and he had the normal. He wears like a compression sleeve on his right leg or a bandage. Had it off. It didn't really look like he had been shot in his right leg. Like he had, I guess, three kind of wounds uh in his knee but that could just be from surgery like if you would have just said there were scars from like hitting the, the pavement and getting gravel on his knee like would have easily kind of passed as such you know it's really remarkable how he's coming along and you know i think he's going to come back before chase young to be honest i mean uh, i think once he's eligible in week five that's something that uh you know i think they they expected him to have a big role before uh the um, before the shooting, and I think if as long as he looks the same and runs the same, uh, you know, I think he's um, going to get some carries in this offense. Yeah, it looked like for a second in the preseason he had a shot to even win the starting job. There was a little bit of a controversy there who would start Gibson or or, or Robinson, so definitely worth monitoring. Um, I wanted to get your opinion before you go. So much has been made about Carson Wentz, and I get it. He's been the best quarterback that Washington's had in quite some time. But they also did draft a rookie quarterback, Sam Howell, out of North Carolina. At one point, he was considered a potential first-round pick. You heard some possible Baker Mayfield comparisons. Now, I think if something were to happen to Wentz, they still got a good veteran backup, and Taylor Heineke, I think, is one of the more formidable backups. I haven't heard a lot from Howell since the preseason. What are your takeaways? Is this a is this a quarterback of the future, or is this more of just a Aflac insurance kind of backup type of deal, kind of like what Jalen Hurts was originally considered to be, and kind of see where it goes from there? What's your take with that whole quarterback room? Yeah, it, it was more of this guy fell to them, and they thought he was way too talented to do it. But, you know, this is really a devel developmental year for him i think it would be a disaster if he played because you know the that would mean either a significant injury to wentz or horrible performance and then i think they would even go with heineke over how i mean he's ahead of yeah. him clearly in the depth chart but I, I think even if the season was if heineke had to play for extended weeks they would go with heineke rather than how so you know he is coming along he showed some stuff in the preseason i actually think he's a good fit for what scott turner likes to do as a play caller, he has the arm to check it downfield. He can make plays with his legs. So he looked okay in the preseason. Um, I think one of the things he's still adapting to in the NFL is his footwork. He created a lot of sacks, I think, unnecessary. The defensive line was able to get to him because he took too long, too many uh, dropbacks, too many steps in his dropbacks and those sorts of things. So, But they are pleased with him. I think he's coming along. There's just a question of whether – he's the quarterback of the future well they would like Wentz to be truthfully I mean they, they brought him in they agreed him to pay 
his full contract or take on his full contract. They have every intent on Wentz being that guy. But if he doesn't, yeah, Howie is an intriguing possibility um, to remain in the mix. Yeah, you know, I look around the league and you got, you know, Pickett is backing up. Malik Willis is backing up. Desmond Ritter is backing up. Sam Howell, kind of the forgotten guy of this rookie quarterback class. And, you know, to your point, I don't think he'll see the field this year, but just something down the road. If Wentz does falter, we know he's on his third team in three years. Uh, just a guy on the back burner there that has a lot of upside and potential. And I know uh, you've got a, a boogie here, Matt, because you're yep. at the facility. We appreciate the time before we get you out of here. Can can you give us a quick score prediction? Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, I'm allowed. I don't know if it'll be right though. Um, <laughs> no, I actually think the Eagles are going to win, and I I don't necessarily know if it's going to be pretty. You know, you did reference Washington's firepower. Maybe they're able to keep it up, uh, paced with this team, like the Lions are able to do. But I just don't see how Washington's going to be able to start stop, um, Philly's run game. I think Jalen Hurts presents such He's such a dynamic quarterback with what he's able to do with his legs. Um, and A.J. Brown and what he's been able to do over the middle has really opened things up for them as well. So it's a really great Eagles offense, and I just don't see Washington with where they're at currently on defense and all the kind of things they're still sorting through are going to be able to keep pace. So, you know, I think the Eagles uh, shoot 35, maybe the like the commanders 21, something like that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, every prediction I've heard has been a lot of points on the board. So I think uh, you never know. Sometimes when we think there's going to be a lot of fireworks, it, it happens the other way. But uh, we appreciate the time and the intel here. Great perspective and insight on the Washington commander. You're doing a great job Thank at you. the Washington uh, Times there. And we appreciate the time here. Hopefully we can have you back on maybe week 10 and be safe out there at FedEx Field, okay? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Matt Paris joining us uh, from the Washington Times. And uh, hopefully guys like John Kime and Matthew Paris travel up to Philadelphia for that uh, Week 10 matchup. Maybe we can wine and dine them over there at the Ocean Casino and Resorts. Uh, you're home for the Eagles pre- and post-game. Oh, by the way, this weekend, if you're uh, looking for real Eagles talk, it's the best in the business. And uh, we're going to have more perspective on the Washington and Philadelphia matchup this Sunday. It's going down 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have our good friend, Coach John D. Filippo, will join us here. It's a football Friday affair. We're going to uh, buckle up, get the second hour of power underway, taking you up to uh, 12 o'clock with the Sports Take Show. It's all part of the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Keep it locked, everybody. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. 
sure our prayers were answered. But now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Welcome to Pondley Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. at it again the football playbook with your boy RIC and a place to be checking in from the Jersey Shore broadcasting around the universe here on this Friday September 23rd it's our 19th episode here on the Jacob Sports Channel so click subscribe make sure you get all the show notifications hey do your boy a favor hit the like button get our algorithms up we appreciate all the love and support shout out to all our chat room people I see you out there Daniel Carlos Manster uh Transistor Paul Mancini a regular hey um it's been uh, it's been a quiet uh, day here in the chat room. Are you guys, everybody take off on Friday? What, what's going on? You guys dipped out early to head down uh, to FedEx Field and, and take a trip down there to see the Eagles and Commanders. We heard uh, John Kime from ESPN and Matthew Paris from the Washington Times just tell you that this could be close to a split crowd. Uh, John Kime said maybe 40%. Matt Paris said it could even be 50-50 split. You guys uh, have been so quiet. Hey, shout out. To, as I see you now. Richard, Chris, uh, you guys are waking up. Adams, everybody's lurking there in the chat room. I know you guys are on your way down to D.C. Uh, getting jiggy with it. So we're going to um, get more into uh, the Commanders and the Eagles with Coach John D. Filippo in just a second here. Uh, at Like I said, at the top of the show, Carson Wentz, made some comments about, you know, how he could have been possibly a better teammate, a better person. Uh, we'll get Coach Flip's thoughts on that. I thought also listening to the um, Birds 365 show, I, I, I caught some bits and pieces there. Uh, Barrett Brooks filling in the second hour. 
Now I knew Fletcher Cox and Carson Wentz were boys because because Fletcher had said earlier in the week when he when he was asked about Wentz, he's like, yeah, I just spoke to him yesterday. We speak all the time. I didn't know the extent of the relationship. Barrett Brooks, who will be on it again at twelve o'clock at Sports Take, he had said that they're hunting buddies. Now I knew coming out uh, of North Dakota State that Carson Wentz was a big time hunter. In fact, if you're like me and you grew up in the eighties and remember duck hunt from Nintendo, I kind of teased him a little bit about that. Cause he, his favorite thing to do was duck hunting when I spoke to him at the combine. And so Fletcher Cox and Carson Wentz bonded over that. They're still friends. Uh, meanwhile, you got guys like Brandon Graham saying, Hey, this game was circled out of the gate uh, because of the Carson Wentz factor. So, um, you know, a lot of storylines Heading into this Commanders and Eagles matchup, it's always a coin toss affair, I feel like, anyway, when it comes to the NFC East. It's hard to predict. It's really hard to predict. And everybody thinks the Eagles are going to win. We'll see. That's why they play the games. Everybody thought the Dallas Cowboys were going to win the division. But don't look now. Monday Night Football, we'll get into the NFL pickums later on in the show. The Giants have a chance to be 3-0. and and sitting atop your NFC East, which everybody had the Giants counted down and out. Hey, uh, don't look now, my friends. Right up there, they're going to be traveling down the turnpike to D.C. Don't look up the turnpike because the Giants are breathing down the Eagles' neck. And the next guest is no stranger to that. Of course, your former Philadelphia Eagles coach, John Filippo, joining us here on the Football Friday Affair. Coach, good morning. How you doing today? Rick, Tone, what's up, guys? Hey, I apologize for the blurry screen. My computer's in the shop, so I'm on my wife's computer. Sorry about that. Hey, all good. It happens, Coach. And Hey, uh, by the way, I, I heard you tell your last guest, if he's in the area, you're going to treat him to the Ocean Casino and Resort. Is that, is that offer stand for me as well? Absolutely, Coach. Absolutely. You just let us know the word, and uh, I'll give Krause a call. We'll make that happen. So you just say the it. word, and hey, meal on me. They got a nice Italian restaurant over there, the Dolce. I've hey, heard a two, lot of good things. I, no I don't you, to dive in. Two guys, your last name ends in a vowel. You know? You know what it is, Paisan. And I'm over here at the Jersey Shore. We're getting ready for this uh, week three NFL already. Unbelievable. I want to pick your brain, though, on some of the quarterback play. And let's let's start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. We haven't talked much about him today, but he's been a hot topic all week long on the whole network. Jalen Hurts. He just played the game of his life, and there's, there was a lot of questions coming into the season. Would we see the progression, the development, the accuracy, the deep balls, whatever the case may be? He's he's pressing all the right buttons. I see a much improved quarterback. You said it right here on this show last week. You expect to see him take that jump. Did you expect to see him take such a big leap? You know, Everybody wants the, the to happen right away, and it's just like I said, enjoy the ride with this guy. I mean, it's good. It, the maturation of this of this player is happening right before our eyes, and boy, what a great job he did! Um, you know, I, I thought the coaching staff did a fantastic job um, of moving and shifting and 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 giving them some different looks. You know, there were some quarterback design runs in there. Uh, there were some good RPOs, and obviously they were clicking in the pass game. You know, the big play, obviously, that opened it up was, you know, the post alert against against quarters coverage. Quarters coverage is when there's, you know, the corner, the two corners and the safeties each have a quarter of the field. And what happened was number two released vertically. 
And if he goes past basically 10 yards, the safety has that tight end or number two receiver man-to-man in the post route ends up being a one-on-one. So that was a great job by Shane Steichen dialing that up against that coverage and getting the coverage that he wanted. But Jalen was, I mean, that, that he was the best player on the field by far in, in that game. And it wasn't even close. I mean, that looked like a, a senior in high school against the JV team, you know, and, and uh, boy, oh boy, that was, that was fun to watch. It really was. I mean, and, and we talk about, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. And then, boom, Quez Watkins, don't forget about me. Absolutely. I'll tell you, a lot of weapons on this uh, Eagles. The Eagles, in my opinion, and, and again, I have, I'm out of, I'm out of the, the coaching this year, so I don't have – I'm not engrossed in it like I normally am. Sure. Um, but I, in my opinion, the Eagles have the best skill set, skill players in the NFL, like wow. the best skill group in the NFL. And uh, I mean, you talk about, and then you got you know the running back, and you, you know Sanders, and you got Hertz, and you got Goddard, and you got Smith, and you got AJ Brown, and you got Watkins. You, I mean, you just where do you defend those guys? I mean, all of a sudden you try to. Again, we talked about it last week. You know, your 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 receiving group is only as best as your third option. Well, you know, arguably Dallas Goddard, your third option after AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. And that's an unbelievable advantage to have if you're an Eagle, if you're in the Eagles building, you're an Eagles fan. They can't double double you those two studs on the outside. You're gonna have a one-on-one matchup on safety against or a linebacker against Dallas Goddard. Good luck with that. Man, and I'll tell you, Goddard's another guy that's kind of just elevated his game to another level. But you mentioned uh Shane Steichen, and yeah. he I think he's doing a tremendous job with the play calling. I'm not sure how familiar if you cross coaching paths with him at all, Coach, but I wanted to ask you specifically because I listened to Coach Nick Sariani's press conference earlier this week, and he 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 said something that piqued my interest. And he said, you know, the the bond with Jalen and Shane go beyond just football. Like these guys hang out outside the facility, like they're friends and spend time off the field, outside the film room, and they have a special bond. I'm just curious to know, having been in that position, how common is that? Is that something that you've kind of had a relationship with your quarterbacks outside the building, or is this kind of a rare relationship that we're seeing develop? I, I, you know, it sounds like they obviously get along very well and things are clicking there right now. So um, to get to, I'll start off with, with I'll work my way down that 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 question. First off, you got to give a lot of credit to Nick Sirianni, okay? Because here's a guy that really didn't call plays in Indianapolis. All right, Frank Wright called the plays, so he gets a shot to be a head coach and doesn't have the ego to say I have to call the plays. If if I need to be the best head coach I can be for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think I got a really good coordinator that I hired, okay, that I know can call the plays that allows me to be a better head coach. Excuse me. Hats off to Nick Sirianni for for recognizing that. Number one. Number two. Okay. Shane Steichen and I have been have been friends for a, a long time. Um, you know, just competing against each other, hanging out at combines. You know, just through, through the circles. And a guy I've had a ton of respect for uh, for a long time. So again, number two. That's not shocking. He's he's doing a great job. He's he's a really really good football coach. And then talking about the relationship with with Jalen and and and. Um, uh, with Shane, uh, yeah, I, 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 that 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 
you got to have trust. I mean, relationships are all built on trust, whether you're it's, it's with anybody in your life. So obviously those two guys trust each other and, and trust is built in a lot of ways. It's on the field, it's off the field. And I'm sure that those two guys, you know, uh, enjoy spending time together, but there obviously there is probably that separation too between, you know, uh, there has to be a little bit of professionalism there as well. Sure. And, you know, listen, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I mean, you hear all kinds of different stories out there and, I've read biographies where, you know, you hear like Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, all the respect in the world inside the facility, somewhat icy outside of the building, didn't really have much of a personal relationship. And I know Brady was close with Robert Kraft, not so much with Bill Belichick. I was just curious to get your impressions there. Uh, Early in my career, just personally, early in my career, um, I probably didn't do as good enough job at that and, and when I was a young coach and, and probably this is because I was I was young, you know, and I I tried to make sure that there was that separation there. But it's that's something that as I self-scout myself, you know, going through the ranks is I felt like I, I don't know, you have to ask the guys I coach. I, I tried to be better at that, you know, and at least, you know, talk about, you know, um, I, I like case in point, I try to ask about their families every single day. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, that, that to me is important and, you know, making sure my wife knew their wives and, and kids and all those things. And and so it puts a little human element to it because the season's hard enough and, and there needs to be some human element to it to get through it. And by the way, Hey, Chris, thanks for the, I'm reading the comments here. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Coach uh, John D. Filippo, a lot of love uh, in the chat room, each and every football Friday here on the football playbook. And, no, that's great insight, Coach, and and uh, I appreciate you being so candid and open with us and doing the self-scouting. And uh, Carson Wentz, your old buddy, did a lot of that as well, and he said this week, you know, I, I, you know, he was obviously younger in Philadelphia. He's been traveled now in Indianapolis, his third team. Uh, but he said, I could have been a better person and, and probably a better teammate during my time in Philadelphia. So take us – back what was your relationship with Carson what was Carson's relationship with with his teammates you know um my relationship with Carson was very very professional um you know we kind of bonded over our alma maters are were big time rivals James Madison North Dakota State so we would you know go back and forth a little bit and and you know because we were always ranked number one and number two in, in FCS um so that that's we always used to joke about that but Carson and I, I thought had a, had a really good relationship. I know there's some things out there that, you know, um, there was some strain between us. I, I didn't feel that, uh, you'd have to ask him. Uh, I did not feel that. I think anytime you go through, uh, you know, you have a rookie quarterback, I think you're trying to, you know, instill some, um, things in him to help him play at the NFL level, especially a guy that hadn't played a lot and, and was coming from the FCS. Um, so, um, you know, I don't think there was any strain there. I mean, I saw Carson this summer at the, at the commander's camp and, and it was great to see him and spend 15, 20 minutes with him. Um, and, you know, but I, that's big of Carson to say, because I mean, just think about it as you go through life and doing anything I mean, you make mistakes and I've made my fair share for sure as a position coach, as a coordinator and, and you learn and you move on and, and, you do the best you can in your next stop learning from those experiences. So it was, I did not read Carson saying that I, I've not read up on the uh, commander's media. I've read up on the Philadelphia media, but I've not read up on the commander's media yet. Uh, but it's, it's really cool that, for him to say that because uh, we, we can all get better.
Yeah, I just saw that quote this morning, actually, right before the show, and I thought it was interesting. And, you know, for the most part, both Hertz and Wentz has kind of taken the high road here in, 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 in the overall quotes and, hey, it's just another game. But let's be honest, I mean, both of these guys, like from Hertz's standpoint, he wants to prove that he deserved this position. And I got to assume from Wentz, even though he says, oh, you try not to make it a bigger deal than it is. I mean, he's got to want to try to stick it to his old ball club, right? We're all human. We all have emotions. We're all human. There's no doubt that's going through both those guys' minds. <clears throat> the thing about it, what you got to do is you got to channel that and, and find a way to, to not make the game about you and make it in, in your wishes and your, you got to make sure, and I'm sure both, both quarterback coaches have had these talks with both these guys this week and, and let the game come to them. I mean, that's part of your job as a quarterback coach is not only managing the player on the field, but off, off the field and, and talking him through, you know, all these things about, you know, going back to, or, you know, playing against your old team, maybe a coach you, you didn't like or a place you got cut or, you know, a coach, even from a coaching standpoint, a place you got fired, you know, all those emotions go, go through, go through you as you're getting ready for a game. But at the end of the day, you got to make it all about the team. Um, and, and you, it's, that's what's so great about football. It's team above self. And, and you got to make sure that you channel those emotions, especially early in the football game. Because that's when, you know, you don't want to make a mistake that the, where, the, where the tide of the game changes or you give the commanders a short field or you give the Eagles a, a pick six or whatever. I'm talking about both sides here. Um, you just got to make sure that you go out and do your job and, and channel those emotions. So um, it will be interesting to see early in the game, you know, how those guys do. Hey, Jeremiah, thanks, brother. Yeah, a lot of love for uh, Coach Flip here. Join us on the football playbook. You know, it's interesting. We had John Kime from ESPN, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, both uh, beat reporters for the Washington Commanders. They said the crowd there in D.C. could be close to 40 or 50 percent Philadelphia. They got busloads going down by by the uh, dozens down there to the D.C. area. What what kind of message do you give a quarterback there at his home field where, you know, Wentz could be facing almost a uh, road game situation yeah. with, with the boo birds out there. I'm sure he's going to hear a lot of negativity. Do you, do you address that before the game or at this point of his career? Like, does he know what to expect? How do you kind of handle that as a coach? I think he knows what to expect. You'd address it. You would make it an issue and just say, Hey, and, and the way they're going to probably going to address it, the commanders, if I was in that room was, Hey guys, Hey guys, we, on, on Thursday, we better practice some silent cadence on third down in our third down practice. So, um, you know, you, you see that a lot in the L.A. teams. I mean, we went out in 2017 to play the Chargers in that stadium. Remember when they were in flux there that one year they were playing in that yeah. small stadium there in, in L.A. somewhere? It was 75 percent Eagles fans that that game. I mean, it was literally a home game for the Eagles. And, um, you know. I mean, Philip Rivers said it after the game, you know, uh, so it was a it, Eagles fans travel. They're everywhere in America. I mean, they're everywhere. And I mean, they're down here in, in Florida. I shoot. I see. I see a ton of Eagles gear down here. People just wearing Eagles gear down here. So um, that's not shocking that that you're hearing that news. Um, that, that doesn't shock me at all. And I think the commanders need to be ready on third down in the red zone uh, to have some silent cadence. Interesting. Yeah. Philadelphia, one of the best fan bases that travels for sure. 
Um, you know, let's talk about the Carson Wentz performance now. The Commanders did not defeat the Lions, but the offense was effective again. They put a lot of points on the board. They have one of the top third down efficiency ratings in terms of conversions. Uh, Wentz, for the most part, played solid. A couple turnovers there, maybe not entirely his fault. Not not sure how much you saw of it, Coach, but what did you take away uh, from the Carson Wentz performance there in week two? Carson's Carson's had a good start to his season. He really has. You know, Carson's just got to make sure he avoids that big mistake. Like, he, you know, where you're going to see in week one and week two. Um, just, just you know, do your best you can to – we always say make sure every drive ends in a kick. You know, whether you put, and it's okay to punt the football. It's okay to punt it. Um, so I think, you know, when you're playing a game in the division, that's and this is a big game for both teams. I mean, it's a, this is a big game. Uh, they're all big games. But, I mean, whenever you play a divisional game on the road, uh, it's huge. If the Eagles could pull this one off, it, it's almost like winning two games when you when you beat a team and then you win on the road. I mean, that's almost like winning two. So, uh, but Carson's been playing well. I've, I've been really impressed with him. I think his his feet have been uh, calm in the pocket. I think he's been staying back in the pocket. Uh, he's driving the football to the perimeter. Uh, he looks healthy. I, I think Carson's you know primed to have a a good game. You know, now that being said, I, I was impressed with the Eagles' defense the other night. I, I thought you know I we you guys had said something about not bringing pressure on the last week I thought Jonathan Gannon did a really nice job of dialing up his, his pressure especially in the red zone I mean that was when I, I love Kirk I'm, I'm I'm a huge Kirk guy as you guys know but um you know the, the interception and that was cover zero and and Kirk didn't peek to his the line was sliding to the left and Kirk didn't peek right and that's why that 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 linebacker was was it was hot that was a hot play that guy was unblocked so you got to Whenever you slide the line one way in a five-man protection, you got to peek that other side because you got to know with whether they get the ball out or not. So um, yeah, I thought well, they did a really nice job. That was a great segue into my next topic of conversation because we talked about Kirk Cousins, one of your protégés here last week on the show, and uh, we didn't know how that game was going to go. What is it, Coach, about primetime football with Kirk Cousins? Is it a coincidence? He's now 2-10. and 10. Yeah. On Monday Night Football, uh, primetime record is below what his usual record is. Is it, is it a coincidence thing? Is it a performance thing? Is it just more pressure when you're on primetime, the only game, uh, national spot? Like, what what has been that hindrance, do you think, with Kirk when it comes to the, the primetime affair? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think it's – it's not like Kirk, you know – I'd have to dive into the analytics a little bit. I mean, there were some games in Washington that he was not, they weren't very good. You know what I mean? So, and they're, you know, maybe you're going on the road and having to play, obviously a prime time game. You're playing usually a bigger market, big, you know, good team. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it, it's not like Kirk, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I wish I had an answer for you. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's fascinating. It, it's, really. It kind of is what it is. And, and, I've been around Kirk in primetime games. I mean, I, we went to LA and, and threw up 500 yards of offense against the Rams on Thursday night. I mean, and then, you know, we struggled and probably Michael, we go on the road against Chicago, which is a hard place to win on Sunday night football. And, and, you know, we go to Seattle and, and against the, the Seahawks on Monday night football. And those are hard games to win on the road. So I think you'd have to dive into the analytics and, and figure out why, um, you know, is was the team overmatched? Was the game on the road? Was it a short week? I, I just think a lot of it's probably coincidence because, I mean, 
Kirk's a darn good player. We talked about it last week, and um, I just thought the Eagles did a really good job challenging those guys. No, oh, did I lose them again? Oh shoot! Hey, hey, coach. Sorry about that. We lost. We got a technical difficulty with Rick, but he's going to be back in a moment. Is that me or Tony? Is that me or you? No, no, no. You're all good. That was uh, that was on that was on Rick's end. You're all good. So, uh, yeah, you know, we were, you know, talking about, you know, this Kirk Cousins situation and, you know, like you said, it's it's really fascinating that a guy of his caliber, you know, you look at his numbers and he's a productive guy, right? You know, so, he's always on well, the air. No, 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 no. We're live. We're live. Yeah. Yep. So I just want to make sure I just want to I didn't I didn't know if 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 because uh, I mean, it's not like. It, it, it's just a weird coincidence, man. Yeah, definitely. No, you know, and I, I, don't, I mean, the, like we had my year in Minnesota with him. We had, I think, six primetime games. I mean, it was the Rams, the Seahawks, the Patriots. I mean, three three of those games were on the road. We beat we beat the Packers at home on Sunday Night Football, and Kirk had right. Kirk played great. Um, who else we play? Uh, Gosh, the Eagle. I don't know if you call it prime time, but the late game on the East Lake, the 435 game or 425 game, we won in Philadelphia. Um, then we had one other one. But we, I mean, it's just a weird, weird deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's honestly fascinating because, you know, again, you look at his, you look at his numbers and he's a productive quarterback, right? You know, he has many seasons completing 68, 69, 70% of his passes over 4,000 yards, you know, and he's had weapons, you know, for the better part of his career. And, you know, watching the way Monday night went, it was uh, it was truly fascinating. But, you Tone, know. So my year with Kirk, Kirk was the first quarterback in NFL history yeah. to throw for over 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 or less interceptions, and complete 70% of his passes. First player in NFL history to do that. So that you talk – and you brought up the, a great point. I mean – Kirk's, you put Kirk's numbers against anybody, you know, and, and unfortunately, and that's just the way it is, is the quarterbacks are, are based upon what, what's their record in the playoffs. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, Kirk's won one playoff game, I think. I think they, they, beat, they went down to New Orleans and beat New Orleans in 2019. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think you're right. It was, and then they got, they got, they got crushed in uh, San Francisco the next week. Wow. Yeah, you know, speaking of the playoffs, you know, this Eagles team, right, they – everyone is singing their praises, right? You know, there's – you know, everyone's saying they're one of the top teams in the NFC, arguably one of the top teams in the NFL. Um, defense seems to be coming together. Offense um, is considered to be one of the top offenses in the uh, in the NFL. You know, I'm curious to know, what do you think the ceiling could possibly be for this Eagles team right now? Because we're seeing Jalen Hurts, like you mentioned earlier, he's your that maturation process is something that people should really buckle up and be along for the ride for, right? But I'm curious to know, how far do you think this Eagles team can go? And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the schedule, but what's the barometer? What's the, what's the turning point for this Eagles team? What game is it on their schedule that you're looking at that says, okay, if they win that game, I know, I know they're for real. You know what? I, I haven't checked out their schedule uh, to, go to I you know besides this week. You know, you you, you got to be really careful. This is a big game for the Eagles. And I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. You know, 
Coach Saban calls it rat poison. You know, let's just make sure that a lot of people aren't, you know, reading the reading the clippings and, you know, feeling really good about themselves. Um, let's go on the road, okay, and beat a divisional opponent, all right? That would be my message all week this week with the, with the team would be like, hey, guys, you know, let's not read our press clippings, okay? Right. Let's see how good we really are, okay, and go on the road and, and, and win a game in the division. So this is, a, this is a big game for the Eagles to see where they're really at tone. Um I think they'll win this game Sunday. I do. I think, um, but let, let, let's, let's just take it one week at a time. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what great teams do. You, you try to be one and know each week. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Rick, you, uh, I'll let you, I'll let you get back on track, my man. Hey coach, great talking to you. Oh, great uh, to see ya. Definitely. Definitely. You guys, you guys continue and I'll be back here doing my thing. Thanks, Tone. Always making a cameo here. And he's a uh, frequent regular, by the way, by the Ocean Casino Resorts uh, coach. We hope to get you out there soon. And so, you know, we're talking about the Eagles here on the football playbook with Coach Flip. And they got to get through Carson Wentz this week. And then next week, oh, by the way, Doug Peterson, another good friend uh, they're going to be facing. And Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I think Right there with Jalen Hurts, you talk about Jalen Hurts in the NFC. Trevor Lawrence might be the most improved quarterback we've seen in the AFC. This guy is just looks like a, a, a revived man. He had a really good game. You know, I'm down here, so I, I hear about it and watch, and all those games are on down here. Um, he played good week one. I wouldn't say he played great. He really started off really, really slow. Week two, obviously, he was lights out. And, and again, um, you know, year two year two and and obviously coach peterson's doing a, a good job of putting him in good spots um the the thing about the when you preview the jacksonville jaguars in my opinion is is how much better they are in defense um i mean they had a hard time last last year stopping anybody and so they spent a lot of money this year on defense and um they're they're, they're playing well but yeah there'll be there'll be a, a interesting homecoming for for coach peterson yeah saxonville they need to get back to the roots where uh had that run a few years back they went right into the afc championship it was predicated around the defense they got away yeah. from that in in recent years so uh good point there uh before we let you go let's talk about some of the other performances that caught your eye there around the league in week two of the nfl who stood out to you you gotta you gotta give kudos to J jimmy g i mean you, you know jimmy garoppolo um was a to me that was as good a mental performance as it was a physical performance. Just think of what that guy's been through, all right, for a second. All he does is, is win. I mean, he wins, won a lot of games there in San Francisco, okay? Takes the team to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't win, okay? But he still took a team to the Super Bowl. They draft a first-round quarterback. They trade up. But they give up a king's ransom to get a quarterback, okay, to replace him. And – all this offseason turmoil of, is he back? Are we going to trade him? Are we going to cut him? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? He didn't, you know, we're not going to have him come in camp. To show up and, and do what he did was as good a mental performance as I've seen in a, in a long, long time um, for the everything that he's been through there. Uh, so I was really, really happy for him. I've never met Jimmy. Um, I've never met him. I've heard he's a heck of a guy. Uh, but I was just happy for him as a person. And, and it goes to show you, you know, we won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia with a backup quarterback, guys. The backup quarterback is an important position, okay? It's an important position. So kudos to, to Kyle Shanahan and, and, and John Lynch for, you know, 
signing him back and, and, and kudos to Jimmy G for not having the ego to say, Hey, you know what, you know, take a hike. So, um, and then, you know, Tua, you got to give Tua the guy. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Before we get to Tua though, I want to follow up on Jimmy G because to your point, the way he handled that whole situation during the whole training camp and preseason, I mean, there's a lot of egos in the NFL. He just kind of sat back patiently waited to your point. They win when he's in the lineup. And oh, by the way, they lost a lot of games when he wasn't in the lineup, right? Look at that regime's record when Jimmy's not the starter. I think it's like 8-27. and 27. So I think Kyle Shanahan's one of the best coaches out there. And, and it just goes to show you um, how important that, that quarterback position is. And now, now they've got two. They got a young guy they really believe in. And I think all of us as NFL fans, you know, and I consider myself, I'm a fan this year. We're, we're bummed for Trey Lance. You know, I, you never want to see a guy like that, you know, that you, you want to watch mature and, and grow and, you know, take that next step. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got the ankle and he's out, he's out for the year. So I think we we're all, most of us were, were pretty bummed for him. Well, it, it goes back, though, to an old football adage, though. They say quarterback's the most important position in the game, and they say the backup quarterback is the second most important position in the game because look at the Cowboys right now without Dak Prescott. Right. Uh, you know, their whole season could go up in flames. So uh, we're talking to the one, the only, the great Coach Flip, and I know you were going to get into Tua. That was an unbelievable fourth-quarter performance, down 21 points. And I think there could be an upset alert brewing this week against Buffalo in Miami, but what a performance. There was a lot of questions about, could he take the next step? Could he thrive? Could he be the franchise guy? Uh, They got Teddy Bridgewater there as a backup, but what a remarkable performance. And oh, by the way, it helps when you got thrown at Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, this is speed burners on the outside. And I don't know if two will be wall time will tell if he can, you know, continue making that up, upward progress. But again, good for him, man. You know, I mean, a, a guy that, again, the mental toughness of these quarterbacks, that, that's what people don't understand is you got to be physically tough, but more mentally tough. They try to go out and, and get the Sean Watson. They, they try to, they try to replace this guy. Everyone, everyone's saying, Hey, that's too small. His arm, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Good for him. He went out on the road. I got to check to see what their final stats were because when we in 2015, Cleveland Browns went into Baltimore and threw for 456 yards. I got to see if they, that was a stadium record. I got to go see if they broke that last week. They probably did. Um, Josh McCown. Uh, but anyway, good for Tua going on the road um, and, and, you know, and, and, and doing that and throwing for all those touchdowns and, and, you know, good for him. And Hey, Give it up to Darius Slay. You know, I mean, that that was his impression. I know we're on Eagles podcast, you know, and and that was that was an impressive freaking game as well for him. So those are three guys that I wrote down that that uh, in my mind stood out. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, since you brought him up, I got to add because you really maximized D one Josh McCown, and there was a lot of talk there at the end of his career. Like, I remember they were talking about he, he might get a coaching offer. Then he came back and backed up another. Then I last time I heard, I think he was coaching high school football. H- have you have you spoken to uh, Josh? Yeah. What is he he's up down to? in Texas right now? Um, he's down in Texas coaching his kids. Uh, his son, Owen, is um, 
probably by the end of the year is going to, as a freshman, probably be starting for the University of Colorado. Uh, So, I mean, Josh uh, has an unbelievable family. He's an unbelievable person. Uh, I think Josh, if he, whenever he decides to, if he wants that to coach in the NFL, um, we'll have multiple opportunities to do so uh, because he's such a great guy and, and, and he's been around so many, um, so many teams and, and playbooks and, and coaches and yeah. would be a tremendous coach himself. And I, I just know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think Josh is torn um, between getting his boys through high school and, and helping them through. And, and uh, you know, uh, and, and, but I think anytime he wants to go back, he'll have that opportunity. Yeah, it's always a tough deal uh, juggling the family and coaching and act. And uh, but we saw when he was a player, he was like a coach on the field, yeah. essentially. So I do think he has a bright future if he wants to be a coach one day in the National Football League. And then uh, not sure if you cross paths with G.J. Kinney. I had him on a couple weeks ago. He's the head coach now down in Incarnate Ward former Philadelphia Eagle. Were you there at all when he was on the I wasn't. I, I've heard great things about him. They had a big – Incarnate Ward beat somebody pretty good, I think. Yeah, they beat an FB, FBS opponent, and they they got a quarterback throwing the ball all over the schoolyard down there. He throws for like four or 500 yards a game, and they got a big-time wide receiver, and uh, they're one of the better up-and-coming programs. He's only 33 years old, and he's got a head coaching gig. So, good you know, That's yeah, great. he – yeah, just another name to keep an eye on there uh, when you're talking about former Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks, and they used him a little bit in the return game, and a guy that just – he's a football lifer. He played in the Arena League, the CFL, the UFL, all these different leagues, and uh, now 33 years old with a head coaching gig. So just kind of wanted to uh, get your thoughts there. Anything else you want to get off your uh, chest, Coach, before we let you boogie? No, I'm just – I'll tell you what. It's just – it's been fun watching these Eagles play. I mean, and um... – you know, it's uh, I'll tell you that there were some really good design plays on Monday night. Um, I was shocked that the Vikings didn't challenge the Eagles receivers more um, and really, you know, yeah. didn't get up in their face a little bit more. Uh, and they kind of let them run free. And so it'll be interesting to see what the, what the commanders saw on tape in terms of that, where they feel like they have to challenge the Eagles. Because to me, if you sit back and let those guys that we mentioned earlier in the show just run around, you're going to have a long day. A really long day. But see, when you're defending the Eagles, in my opinion, the the X factor is Jalen Hurts because, I mean, he can just kill you with his feet. So, you know, I'm not a defensive coach and I'm not knocking the Vikings, but I'm just, it was just interesting to see as an off, from an offensive coach standpoint, very rarely do you see as much free access as you saw Monday night where guys weren't getting challenged to the line of scrimmage. Um, so that will be interesting to see how the commanders see that tape. No, it was puzzling. It's it's definitely been a topic of conversation throughout the week here on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And uh, I can't thank you enough, Coach, for joining us here on a football Friday. I mean, what a what a listening pleasure it is for me, for our audience, the chat room people. They love it. So uh, what do you say we do it again next football Friday? Let's go, baby. I'll see All you right. guys at 11 o'clock next week right here. <laughs> Tone, Rick, have a great weekend. Eagles fans, Chris, Jeremiah. Okay. Have a great weekend, baby. Go Eagles. All right. Love it, coach. Buckle up. It's a double chin strap affair here on the football playbook. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino and Resorts. Man, we're winding down to the nitty gritty. We got another uh, 30 minutes or so to go until the sports take at noon Eastern time. 
Oh, baby, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Make sure you get the like button in. And when we come back, we'll go around the league in the league where they play for pay. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. at it again it's the football playbook here rfc in the place to be checking in jersey shore here uh broadcasting on this friday september 23rd our 19th episode here oh by the way 216 days until the 2023 nfl draft we're counting you down over at the nfl draft bible.com now in affiliate with sports illustrated and i uh, failed to mention uh you know coach john d filippo is also working with me down at the hub football uh camp in florida naples coming on um October the 8th, and there'll be a pro free agent workout for players looking to get back into the league. There also will be a transfer portal uh, showcase as well. So you can go to hubfootball.com. If you're a player 
or an agent tuned in watching the show and you're interested to learn more, go to hubfootball.com. Um, just great insight, though, man. We are so honored and privileged to have Coach Flip every football Friday throughout the season. Uh, can't wait to have him back on again next week. I love talking football uh, with the old ball coach and really a great job from all three of our guests. We got some great insight from John Kime, who does a wonderful job at ESPN.com. Matthew Paris uh, was kind enough to join us on his commute into the stadium today, uh, reporting from the Washington Times on the Commanders and um you know coach flip there in the last segment so if you liked what you saw and you heard show your boy some love hit us the like button trying to get uh the algorithms up and and, and get up there with the the big dogs like birds 365 who airs before this show we got the sports take coming up at noon dan Cilio from three to six and of course jeff kerr kicking it off here each and every day daily 12 hours of eagles coverage nobody breaks it down Better Than Jacob Sports, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City. Now, those uh, gallery odds down there at the ocean now, I have them pulled up in front of me. Uh, we went 9-7 and seven once again last week for the second consecutive week. That's against the spread. We're not just picking winners. We're picking it with the spread. So uh, I thought the Steelers would win last night. We lost that one. That brings our record to uh i believe that would make us 18 and 15 this year against the spread one and one on the best bets we went with the ravens again last week uh they failed to hold on to that 21 fourth quarter lead so one and one on the best bets 18 and 15 overall it's time for that football friday around the league pick them in the league where they play for pay. All right, let's kick it off. We got Kansas City minus five on the road in Indianapolis. You know, the Colts have not really performed very well here early on in the season. I just think that Kansas City's offense has too much firepower for Matt Ryan and company to keep up. We talked about Carson Wentz. Suddenly he has some weapons in Washington. The Colts still have a lackluster weaponry outside of Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they can keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs minus the five. Uh, staying in the AFC, we got the Baltimore Ravens on the road, minus two and a half at New England. Listen, I almost went with the Ravens as the best bet again. I'm not going to do it just because they blew that fourth quarter lead, 21 points. But I will say this. I think Baltimore is too much for New England, both offensively and defensively, when I look around the league, the Ravens possibly have one of, if not the best defenses. And I'm just not a big believer in Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, calling the offense with Mac Jones there. Give me the Ravens minus the two and a half on the road. I'll take two road dogs to kick things off here. Houston Texans also in the AFC, one of my surprise team candidates this year. They will get the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears with the big week one win over the Packers in the pouring rain. Not so uh, great last week. However, I find this one to be a little bit surprising. Chicago favored here, two and a half going into Houston. I think the Texans win this game outright. Give me the two and a half. Maybe give me the money line here. I think the Houston Texans get a W on the board at home against the Chicago Bears. Uh, keeping it in that AFC South, Tennessee Titans will host your world champion. Uh, or no, they'll host the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, trying to read my writing here. 
Raiders on the road going to Tennessee favored by two points. Listen, we talked about the 2K jinx. Every running back that I've seen run for 2,000 yards, they seem to be broken down or half the man they used to be, as STP might say. I don't think Derrick Henry is the same guy. I don't have a lot of confidence right now in Ryan Tannehill. I think the Raiders cross country, go on the road, pull this one out. It says a lot when you do the cross country and you're favored against the number one seed in the AFC a year ago. Give me the Raiders minus the two over the Texans or the Titans there. Now, you heard Coach Flip talk about Tua. What a great performance. They come back and win last week. They are at home against the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. The Bills laying five and a half points. I got news for you. Circle the wagons. This is an upset alert. I don't know if it's a trap game because it's a division game, but I'll tell you this. The Dolphins could be better than we thought. And I, I was wrong about them out of the gate. So far, so good. They've swayed me to the other, other side. I'm going to take the Dolphins here. Give me the five and a half points. Don't be surprised if Miami wins this game outright. I would not put it past them. The Bills secondary is really, really shaky. The corners, not so great in coverage. They're going to have their hands full covering Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Give me Buffalo minus the five and a half. Or I'm sorry, give me Miami plus the five and a half against Buffalo in this one. You know, the Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings are going to link up two opponents that the Eagles faced week one and week two. In my estimation, the Detroit Lions were the better team that the Eagles faced. Now, small body of work. We saw the Lions last week against the Commanders. They were able to put a lot of points on the board and pull off the W. I'm shocked, quite frankly, that the Minnesota Vikings are favored by six points in Detroit. This is a best bet candidate. It's not my best bet for this week. Give me Detroit plus the six. Again, another upset alert. Maybe it's an upset in the eyes of Vegas. To me, the Detroit Lions should win this game outright. Give me the six. That's a surprising line. I think that, I think Vegas got it wrong on this one. Uh, Chris in the chat room likes the Vikings to bounce back. Could be. Could be. Um, Cincinnati, minus the six against New York Jets. Again, I hate to like all these road, uh, uh, road favorites, but I'm just not a big believer in the Jets. I know Robert Saylor's keeping receipts. Joe Flacco played lights out 300-plus passing yards a week ago. The Joe Burrow is, is, situation is concerning. I, I am concerned now, officially 0-2. If the Bengals drop this game and go to 0-3, I think the chances of them making the playoffs are slim to none. We could be seeing a Super Bowl hangover from the runner-ups in the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe they're falling back to reality. I don't know. I'm not going to really put all my eggs in the New York Jets basket just yet. So give me the Bengals minus the six. However, I'm going to keep my eye on this. If the Bengals lose this game, they're in for a doom and gloom season. But I'm going to take one more time here against the Jets going into the Meadowlands. Their roster is just superior all the way around. Uh, New Orleans at Carolina minus two and a half. You know, I'll tell you what, a lot of people like the Saints coming into the season. This is another quarterback I'm concerned about because Jameis Winston, we talked about it last week, had four fractured ribs. Now he's got an ankle. 
I don't know if Winston's going to get through the season. He wasn't able to make it through last season he's, or the season before. I think that the Saints are going to have struggles this year. However, I'm not quite ready to take Carolina. I think this is one of the worst teams in the league. This is maybe one of their winnable games early in the season. Baker Mayfield coming off hot. Matt Rule on the hot seat. I think Carolina has a chance. I'm going to go the Saints minus the two and a half on the road. But this is probably the least confidence pick that I feel all week long. I think this is truly a coin toss game. It could go either way. Um, all right. We talked about Trevor Lawrence. He played lights out this past week. The Jacksonville Jaguars are getting seven points at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Two fan bases that are just crap. Home fan bases that don't show up for their teams. Not sure how much Jacksonville has a home field advantage in this one, but a touchdown, that's a lot of points in the National Football League. Remember, the Chargers have been playing well. This one here, though, cross country, I'm always leery about a big dog favorite on the road traveling cross country for those purposes and what I saw out of Trevor Lawrence. Give me the points. I think the Chargers win this game, but I think it's closer than seven. So give me the Jaguars plus the seven. Now, the game of the week just might very well be the Tampa Bay Bucks at your Green Bay Packers outside of the LA Rams. I think coming into the year, Tampa Bay and Green Bay were considered those other contenders. And so Green Bay, big bounce back week last week. Alan Lazard back in the lineup. Tampa Bay, on the flip side, is really struggling at the wide receiver position. Mike Evans is suspended for this one. Julio Jones is banged up. Chris Godwin might not play. They signed Cole Beasley off the scrap heap this week. Tom Brady brokering another deal. Call him GM Brady. He's the one responsible for bringing Julio Jones. Cole Beasley politics through Brady to get signed this week. So Cole Beasley, if you're a fantasy football uh, player, that could be a sneaky player uh, pickup in deep leagues because Beasley is going to be inserted from the gate. They are depleted and desperate at the wide receiver position. With that being said, I'm still a believer for now in this Tampa Bay squad. Brady taking off Wednesdays. I don't think it'll be an issue right here. <sighs> wow. What a fun affair this is going to be. It's a one-point spread. Tampa Bay is favored on the road in Green Bay. Give me Tampa to win this game. But, man, it could go either way. And we'll see when we do the power rankings next week who's on top in the NFC because Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion, right up there with the Bucks and the Packers. Okay, we talked about the world champion L.A. Rams. I'm going to pick the Arizona Cardinals in this one. Uh, another 20-point comeback. Kyler Murray works miracles in the early season. If you look at the past two years in terms of the first half, I don't know if there's a better team, even record-wise, than the Arizona Cardinals. They seem to get out of the gate fast. I think the Rams are a little bit concerning. I how many five interceptions for Matthew Stafford through the first two weeks? Kyler Murray's hot. I think this is a somewhat of a again in division. I never I hate to call it a trap game. But I think people are sleeping on the Cardinals here. They're getting three and a half. Even if they don't win the game, give me the points plus three and a half. I think the Cardinals win this one outright, though. Uh, it's going to be another high-scoring affair, in my opinion. Now, Seattle 
Geno Smith, they were out of the gates there in week one. Uh, week two, not so much. So Atlanta Falcons, it's hard to kind of gauge this team with Marcus Mariota. I think it's just a matter of time until Desmond Ritter is the starter there for the Falcons. Atlanta at home, again, another one of these cross, a lot of, lot of air miles this week in the NFL. Seattle traveling across country to Atlanta. These are two terrible teams, in my opinion. Neither one will be sniffing the playoffs come season end. I'm going to go Atlanta getting the one point. I think the Falcons win outright. Coach Flip joined us, talked about how great Jimmy G handled the adversity. I would tend to agree with that. It makes the 49ers a prime contender. We talked about the Bucks, We talked about the Packers, the Rams, and the Eagles. Well, the 49ers are a team to be reckoned with. And I think they go on the road into Denver. I think this is a statement game. And I know our guy Tone behind the scenes has asked the question, is Russell Wilson washed up? I don't believe he is. But I think there's still a little bit of a transition period going on with Nathaniel Hackett there, first-year head coach, first-year quarterback on a new team. Wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos get it figured out later on in the season. I just think that San Francisco is a better team here. They've got a really dominant defense outside of the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe the 49ers are the top defense in the league. And for that reason, I'm going to lay the points, minus 2.5, 49ers over the Broncos. And then we got the Monday Night Football Affair. We'll talk more about it on Monday Night Football on Monday, on Monday's show. The Giants suddenly are favorites. And I know a lot of you in the chat room aren't buying into the New York Giants magical carpet ride and uh, Coach Brian Big Ball Dables of them all. But the Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys are underdogs at home on Monday Night Football. I said it earlier in the show, don't look now. The New York Giants have a chance to be 3-0 with the Chicago Bears after the Cowboys. Suddenly the Giants, if they start off 4-0, again, with 12 games, it would leave 17 minus 4. It would leave 13 games. Even if they go 6-7, and seven, guys, the Giants could be a double-digit win team. So... This is going to be a critical matchup on Monday Night Football. We'll get more into that after the weekend for record-keeping purposes. I'm going to go with those New Jersey Giants. Wow. I never thought I'd be saying that in week three, but it's real, folks. It's real. All right. Now, uh, that brings us up to the game that I, we've been talking about all week here on Jacob Sports Channel. Philadelphia. I am a little bit surprised by the point spread, but maybe not so much after I give you my prediction. Six and a half on the road, D.C. It could look like a home game for the Eagles. The Vegas line is telling you so. And so I, while I was surprised by the line initially, when I kind of did the math uh, computerization, I don't quite have the Jody Mack computer formula but as I calculate the score, I'm right on board with Barrett Brooks. You know, I was listening to the Mac and Mac show and I heard Barrett Brooks say the score as I was literally writing it down right here in my notes. Me and Barrett have the same outcome here. I've got the Eagles 31, the Commanders 17. There could be even more points on the board there, but this is going to be my best bet. This is the best bet of the week, hands down. 
the Eagles have the advantage inside the trenches on both sides of the ball. I believe the Eagles cornerbacks match up on the commander's weapons very adequately. I don't believe the commanders have the secondary to keep up with the weapons of the Eagles offense. Oh, by the way, the Eagles come up, come in with the top rushing attack. I hate to say it's going to be cruise control. If I'm Sariani and I win that coin toss, I want the ball first. I want to get that road slash home crowd behind me early. Let's put the points on the board. Let's get the commanders down early. Let's get that road crowd feeling like a home crowd. And hey, let's finish, right? We've talked about it here on the show. The second half, you want to nitpick this Philadelphia Eagles team that's currently 2-0? They haven't finished strong. The first half has been solid in both games. We want to see that second half performance equate and be just as good as that first half performance. I've got the Eagles winning this by two touchdowns. I just don't think the commanders are in the same class or the same category. And so those are my picks for the NFL week three. We'll see how we do. We're we're staying above 500 against the spread, which is pretty damn good if you ask me. So we're looking forward to it. Of course, Ocean Casino Resorts will have all your Eagles pre and post game coverage. And we got a few minutes left to play, so I want to pop on our MVP tone behind the scenes, pop him on the scene here because I know he's a frequent regular down there. Are you going to be down there at the Ocean Casino Resorts once again, Tone? Uh, I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm going to tap in with my my VP, my executive producer, uh, Xander. We're going to find out what's going on. But, uh, yeah, man, it was a fun time down there, and I'm looking forward to this W that these Eagles are going to get. Yeah, we're going to uh, – Xander's going to be taking over here at noon with the Sports Take Show in just a few minutes. But I got my prediction on the books – I got Philly 31-17. I heard Barrett Brooks had the identical score. I don't want to steal his thunder, but I'm telling you, I was listening to the show. I was writing down, my, and he said it as I was writing it down. I said, hey, great minds think alike. Me and Barrett are on the same page here. I have a feeling I know which way you're swaying. Do you have a final score prediction? Yeah. Um, I think I had it at 34-21 Eagles. I believe that's what I had it at, you know, uh, or or it was 31-21, but I know it was going to be a double-digit victory for sure. All right, so then you're feeling good about uh, the Eagles' chances here. Yeah, uh, I just don't – you know, really quickly, uh, I just don't – I don't see the commanders being able to stop the run – our rushing attack. They are one of the worst teams at stopping the run. I think they're giving up like yeah. almost eight to nine yards of carry. It's bad. Wow. Wow. That is, that's really bad. I didn't realize it was that terrible. So good point out of tone. Um, we got to get out of here soon, but man, I think we had a really solid show with John Kime, Matthew Paris. They, they provided some great insight on the uh, commanders. And then we got coach John D Filippo here joining us. Uh, final takeaway from today's show tone. Yeah, and um, also, you know, just to add to that last point, I said uh, the commanders are allowing 157 rushing yards a game. Mm. And the Eagles are averaging, as a team, 189 rushing yards a game. So if I was you guys, I'd take the over uh, when, it comes, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to <laughs> Eagles rushing yards, for sure. I, You know, again, I just don't see them. I don't see them being able to stop it. You know, I think this is going to be a really emotional game for Carson Wentz. I know he's going to, I know he's going to try his hardest to reel it in, but – let these commanders go down by more than more than a possession. Let them go down by 14 or 17 points at some point. Carson's going to start to press. 
And, you know, coach says something really interesting. He said, you know, understand that the game is not about you. Don't make it about you. And Carson Wentz's problem is it's he's always made it about him. I'm not saying he can't change. I'm not saying he can't grow as a person. But, you know, this game, you know, this game is competitive and he's a competitive guy. And, you know, he can, you know, he can downplay the matchup all he wants to. But best believe he wants to stick it to Nick. Uh, he wants to stick it to Harry Roseman. He wants to stick it to Jalen Hurts, even though Jalen Hurts really didn't do anything to him. But he wants to stick it to the uh, Eagles organization. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But I fully anticipate this Eagles team to just be too much for them um, from an offensive perspective. They're just too dynamic. They can, you know, they can they can hit you from two, too many different ways. The Eagles have what you call the perfect punch combo. They have a perfect jab, jab, uppercut, a perfect hook, jab, hook, you know, uppercut, jab. Like it, they, they, they can hit you in so many different ways. And next thing you know, you're, you're you know, you're laying flat on the mat. So. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see. But again, one game at a time. Jalen Hurts still has a long way to go. Man, you you sound like you've been playing some Mike Tyson punch out back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, man. Hey, always appreciate your help, bro. You're you're a stud, man, uh, in producing this show. It's been our 19th episode, believe it or not. But I wanted to get you on the record with your Eagles prediction. Yeah. Uh, so we'll yep. come back 30, next 34-21. week. 34-21. Yep, 34-21. Cool, cool. So we'll come back next week. And, uh, you know, see where the Eagles stand. Uh, in the meantime, or in between time, we got a full docket affair for the NFL schedule here in week three on the football playbook. Like I said, it's been our 19th episode. Please show your boys some love. Get the like buttons. Uh, this was Friday, September 23rd. We'll be back on Monday with TFB RIC signing off for the Ocean Casino Resorts here on Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Don't go anywhere. Stay in the chat. Stay on the live stream. Sports take coming up right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. 
we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.